This week, however, I thought it was appropriate and important to talk about giving thanks. The giving of thanks. Most of us just got done celebrating the holiday known as Thanksgiving, and we need reminders to give thanks. This is why the Bible often repeats the command to give thanks to the Lord over and over and over again, dozens of times in the Psalms alone. We are exhorted, we are commanded, we are, uh, we are we're, we're called to give thanks to the Lord. Children at a young age are taught to give thanks. Hope, well, they should be. Hopefully they are. Uh, we te- teach our kids to say thank you for, for dinner, to say thank you for dessert, to say thank you for help, to say thank you for birthday gifts, to say thank you for even things on their dinner plate that they don't particularly like. We tell them, teach them to say thank you. And that's all good. I remember hearing uh, a message by someone recently, and he was, he was recalling a conversation he had with a woman who said, why should I bring my kids to church? And he said, well, there's other reasons, but to teach them to say thank you. Right? We need to learn to say thank you. This is right and good. We live in a world full of malcontents. People always complaining, bitter with envy and frustration. This, that's the world we live in. I mean, it's not hard to see that. In fact, Paul proclaims a devastating indictment upon man and his rebellion against God when he describes him this way. He says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their hearts, and their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they knew God, this is talking about mankind apart from Christ, although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God, and neither did they give thanks. And isn't that what we see all around us? That's what's underneath all the rage right now. But it's not just what's going on underneath ingratitude out there, right? Out in the world. It's what's going on even in here, right? What's, what's, what's underneath um, our lack of joy and lack of contentment for what God has given us? for how God has made us, for who God has placed us with in life, is it not a lack of of thanksgiving? It is. It's a lack of gratitude for what God has given us. In such a world that we find ourselves in, giving thanks, being people who incessantly give thanks, might be the most revolutionary thing we could do. Just to be people that, no matter what, at all times, we are always giving thanks to God. How often do your conversations around the dinner table uh, or at a Bible study or sitting across the table with some coffee uh, with, your, with a spouse, with a friend, with your children, with parents, how often do those conversations turn to the giving of thanks? And so we just celebrated Thanksgiving, which is, in my view, a quintessentially a Christian holiday. And I'm not really getting into, you know, the pilgrims and the Native Americans and all of that, although I think we could go back there and see these were godly men and women who 
gave thanks. William Bradford, who was the governor, I think it was William Bradford, I think. Any history buffs here? I think it was William Bradford, was the, the governor of um, that colony for many, many years. He gave a Thanksgiving proclamation. But I'm talking about the idea of Thanksgiving. This is a Christian idea built upon Christian assumptions. A secular world doesn't have the foundation for Thanksgiving. They might have good vibes, things are going well, and say I'm kind of thankful or have gratitude or whatever, but Thanksgiving actually assumes there's someone to give thanks to. Right? It assumes that there's, there is somebody to thank. I hope that you do this in your home. We often, uh, we, we, as often as we gather around the table all together, which we do a few times a week for dinner. You know, sometimes people are going different directions with older kids and so forth. But, but we say thanks to God for the food. And it's good to turn our attention to God that God has something to do with the food on our plates. And we want our kids to understand that. I want to understand that. I want to know that. I want to give God thanks for that. Thanksgiving assumes that there's someone to thank. And this is why I often make the distinction between merely having gratitude, which is good, and giving thanks. The feeling of gratitude or thanksgiving, or excuse me, or, or thankfulness is good. To say thanks means you're addressing someone that you believe has blessed you. And you're saying, thank you. Thanksgiving is the act of turning to our maker, our sustainer, our redeemer, and Lord and telling him thanks. And we ought to do that. We ought to do that all the time, as we'll see later in our text. When was the last time you woke up and said, thank you, Lord, for another day to be alive? You do know, don't you, that, well, you probably don't know the number, but I looked it up. About 150,000 people woke up today that won't tomorrow in the world. Okay, it's a lot of people that die every day, on average. So we ought to give thanks that God has given us another day. The Bible tells us in him we live and move and have our being. That God gives us life and breath and everything. We take it for granted, but we shouldn't. I mean, I do, we, I do but I shouldn't. We shouldn't. God is the one who sustains us. He's the one who gives us life every day. And, and at the end of our lives, he's the one that calls us home. When was the last time God thanked, when, when was the last time you thanked God for getting to a destination safely? I remember growing up, there was, you know, this big thing, and I hear people still say it, but it's just, you know, I, I remember childhood, childhood memories of someone praying this often, travel mercies, right? Ever heard that before? Oh, Lord, give them traveling mercies. When was the last time you arrived somewhere and said, Lord, thank you, I'm here, or I'm back home safely, when was the last time you simply thanked God that your sins were forgiven and that they, because you're in Christ, they will never be counted against you because he took them 
we ought to thank God. We ought to be constantly giving thanks to God. And so Thanksgiving Day comes around every year, and, and we're reminded to give thanks, and hopefully we do on that day. But as Christians, we understand that it's more than just a day in which we give thanks, and really it's more than just like, you know, put a reminder on your calendar this time of the week, you know, on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock, I'm going to remember to give thanks. It's, I mean, that's good, that's a good practice to do, but it's actually... As Christians, we ought to give thanks more than that. As Christians, we, we ought to give thanks all the time. It ought to be a lifestyle. Not something we do one day a year or even every day, but throughout the day. We're to live with an attitude of gratitude and turn to God and give thanks because it's from him that every blessing flows to us. Of course, we're in a battle for this because everything in our society and everything in our culture, everything in our consumer-oriented culture is aimed against this. Right? We are constantly barraged. On social media, on television, if you listen to the radio, on the radio too, but who listens to the radio? Anyways, we're constantly barraged with reminders of things that we don't have and really want. We're constantly reminded of of places we've never been but would like to go to. Or or we we get a glimpse of someone who appears to have a better life than us. And so Thanksgiving is something we need to fight for. It's something that we really need to be dogged about. Uh, It needs to be cultivated like a garden. You know, a garden, you plant seeds, and then you really got to work, right, uh, to have those seeds not, you know, to have them actually grow something. I mean, um, you got to keep critters out of this, the plants that are going to grow. You got to water them. You got to pull weeds. You got to make sure there's sunlight. And our hearts need to be cultivated like that to give thanks. Sometimes I think we... Uh, we think that our thanksgiving is based on our level of joy, and I think that's actually in the inverse. I think, actually, our joy is dependent upon the level of thanksgiving. Reminding ourselves of how good God is to us and giving thanks to him. That stirs up, that encourages uh, joy, as well as other virtues like contentment and generosity and selflessness, thinking about others instead of just ourselves. If we want to be salt and light in this world, if we want to be, we're studying 2 Corinthians, there's this phrase, the aroma of Christ everywhere, right? We are the aroma, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, we are the aroma of Christ everywhere. If we want to be that, giving thanks in all circumstances, is a really good place to start. So I hope this morning will be a help to you and to me both, uh, to you and me, to grow in this. Um, So let let me read the text again. David read it a few moments ago. Ephesians 5, verses 18 to 20. We know part of this, I think, probably pretty well. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, 
addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think this is a really important few verses to help us cultivate gratitude and the giving of thanks. So it it answers some vital questions for us. First, the questions when and for what do we give thanks? We see that here. When and for what? Next, it tells us how we give thanks. And finally, it tells us why we give thanks. So when and for what? I just, maybe you're like, I just can't think of anything to give thanks for. I hope that's not true, but when and for what? Well, verse 20 tells us, giving thanks always and for everything. Giving thanks always and for everything. There it is, always for everything. So when should we give thanks? One day a year? No. That's good. Let's gather the family together on Thanksgiving Day and make sure we're giving thanks. Praise God but we should be giving thanks always. We should not basically be ingrates a a large chunk of our lives and then on a day or at a particular time of the week then turn to God and say thank you. In fact, if that is kind of our mode of operation, we need to repent of that and say, God, give me, and hopefully this morning will be a help to us. Help me to turn to you and live that way And give thanks always. Charles Spurgeon said this, The constant tenor and spirit of our lives should be adoring gratitude, love, reverence, and thanksgiving to the Most High. The act of giving thanks, I think, is kind of like this tire pressure gauge measuring how full our hearts are of thoughts of God and thoughts of His goodness. You show me someone. I'm not saying we always see people giving thanks. It it really is something that starts in the heart for sure, but but you show me someone whose attention is turned to God with genuine thankfulness and giving thanks to God, and I will show you someone whose soul is really, really healthy. On the other hand, you show me someone who can scarcely ever turn to God and say thank you, either because they just don't think about it or because they're just grumblers, and I will show you someone who has a, has a small, rigid, and fragile soul. Give thanks always. And then for what? Well, Paul says, Give th- giving thanks always and for everything. These two parts of the clause, uh, always and for everything, really can't be separated. It's, it's always and for everything. They go together. Always and for everything. Uh, in original Greek, it actually says, always giving thanks for all things. Always giving thanks for all things. This would include the obvious blessings God has given you. Like I said before, the fact that you are alive today and breathing is something to give God thanks for. The fact that you have at least relative health 
right? It's something to give thanks to God for. The fact that you have wealth and resources, and at least relatively speaking, all of us here have much, much more than the vast majority of people in the world. We ought to give thanks to God for that. Your spouse, your children, your church family, all of these things we ought to be giving thanks to God for. We ought to thank God for the many spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Again, things like forgiveness. I mean, you know, we, uh, we come here on Sunday mornings, and sometimes I'm not sure, like, I need to, a better understanding of what we are doing. When we draw near to God, Hebrews 12 says, we are coming to Mount Zion. We are ushered into heaven itself, into God's presence. I mean, unforgiven people can't do that. We ought to thank God for forgiveness and justification and future glory and the gift of the Spirit and adoption and many, many other things. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, just go there, right? Blessed be the God and Father who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. We ought to praise God and thank God for those and remind ourselves of how rich we are in Christ It's our memory text a couple weeks ago. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. We have been given eternal riches and treasures in Christ. We have to thank God for them, often and always. We have to thank God for the times where he's delivered us. Right? He's delivered us from harm, from sickness, maybe even from near death. Maybe from death itself. We have at least one person here right, who has experienced what seems to be a being brought back from death to life. We ought to thank God for these things. We ought to thank God Maybe this doesn't come to mind all the time, but we ought to thank God for the times he's delivered us we're not even aware of. I mean, I am sure if, if God could just give us a glimpse of all the near-death experiences in this room, it would stun us, and we weren't even aware of it. One step further toward that cliff, down to your death, right? The number of times when you, maybe you did see an accident right in front of you, and you're about ready right to go through that intersection would have been T-boned. There are, we ought to thank God for these things. There's an old song called Count Your Blessings. You ever heard that song? I always kind of thought it was a cheesy song. I don't know, but the lyrics are really good. It goes like this. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. This is a good thing to do, to stir up our hearts and souls by way of reminder of the countless blessings God has given us. We should do that. The obvious blessings, we ought to just be always pouring over them. Thank you, God, for these things. But our text goes beyond just stirring up our minds to remember the obvious blessings God has given us. It goes beyond that because it says, give thanks always and for everything. Which means we're to give thanks not just for the obvious gifts that God's given us, but also for the gifts that are disguised as trials and pain. 
And of course, this assumes something as well. Remember earlier I said Thanksgiving assumes that there, it assumes something. It's built on Christian assumptions. There's someone to thank. This actually assumes something as well. It assumes that, let me, let me put it this way. If we are to give thanks not only for the bright and sunny days, but also for the cloudy ones and the stormy ones, it assumes that God is the ultimate governor of both. It assumes that our lives and all the details of our lives, and I mean individually and as families, family units, and as a church, all of our lives, all the details of our lives, the times in which we live, all of it are part of something God is putting together. It's like this tapestry, all these different threads. And God is weaving it together, and it's going to be beautiful. It is in God's mind, and it will be. See, only the Christian has a solid foundation upon which to give thanks in all circumstances, at all times, for everything, because God is sovereign in all circumstances and at all times and over everything. And, and that's just, we don't understand it. We don't understand how that can, he can do all of this, but we just, the Bible is clear about it. And so we, like Job, close our mouths, and worship. We don't serve a God who is always just kind of doing the best he can, trying to figure out what to do in this situation because he didn't see that that was going to happen, or always kind of responding, reaching, trying to take bad things and turn them into good. We serve a God who can be thanked at all times for all things because he has a plan that's actually being worked out through blessings and through trials in the sunny days and the cloudy days in the pleasant parts of life as well as the painful ones. There was a a hymn writer named William Cowper who wrote a hymn in 1774 and it's entitled um, God Works in a Mysterious Way. And there's this verse that I think is really helpful because it, 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 it both kind of exhorts us and then gives us incredible comfort. The, the exhortation is the first line where it says, judge not the Lord by feeble sense. In other words, don't stand in judgment on God by your feeble ability to understand everything. We just, we can't. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. The giving of thanks trusts that in all things God is working for our good, for his glory. Now, I think I've brought up parts of this book recently a number of times, but I just have to this morning again. The Hiding Place. Corey Ten Boom, the story of the Ten Boom family, this family that helped to hide and, um, and, and help Jews escape out of Holland during World War II. There's this part in the book where, you know, the father has died after they were arrested for, for doing what they were doing. The father has died. Corey and, and her sister Betsy are brought to this women's extermination camp. And that really what it, is what it was. It was. It was a camp in which eventually they were going to be exterminated. 
And um, the, the camp was called Ravensbrück in Germany. And Corey and Betsy are put into this one barracks. It's barracks 28. It's in the middle of the camp. And as soon as they were brought in there with some other women, the, it, the, the stench was overbearing. And the stench was mainly because of the rotting straw that were their beds. And the straw was rotting because of fleas. The whole place was infested with fleas. And Corey and Betsy, you know, they're kind of screaming like, okay, how are we going to navigate this? And Betsy turns to Corey and says, you know, Corey, we're told to give thanks in all circumstances. And Corey is like, now Corey adores her older sister. She looks up to her. She thinks she's like an angel. I mean, she really does. But she's like, Betsy, there's no way we're going to give thanks for this situation we find ourselves in, for the fleas. And Betsy said, we are commanded to. Went to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in, maybe it's 20. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And so she prevailed upon Corey. And eventually Corey with Betsy, they said, thank you, Lord, for the fleas. But there's this, the end of this one section in the book, Corey says, but I was certain that this time Betsy was wrong. (laughs) She was certain she was wrong this time. Well, amazingly, now Corey was able to get a Bible in, and this was a miracle too. If you read the book, you kind of know the miraculous means by which she got the Bible into this, to these barracks. And amazingly, Corey and Betsy were able to minister to all these women in this destitute situation, in the same situation in which they were in, except they didn't have the hope of the gospel. They had a Bible, and they were able to minister to these ladies, have Bible studies, pray with them, and even sing. All of these things were outlawed, by the way, in that prison camp. But they were able to do these things almost with zero supervision from the guards. Do you know why? The the guards wouldn't go inside those barracks because of the fleas. Thank you, Lord, for the fleas. Is God in the details of the fleas? Does God care about the details of our lives? Yes, he does. Now you might say, wait a second, okay, but that's, you know, that's not Bible, that's just two people. Maybe they were mistaken. Maybe they really were mistaken to say thank you for the fleas. But listen to what Jesus says. In Matthew 10, talking to his disciples, he said, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father. Listen to that. Not a sparrow. Who cares about a sparrow? The father does, apparently. Not one of them falls to the ground apart from him. And then Jesus said, But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So apparently not a flea infests the barracks, nor a sparrow falls to the ground, nor a hair falls off your head apart from your heavenly Father. And then Jesus says, Don't be afraid, therefore. Fear not, therefore. 
You're of much more, you're, you are so much more value than, valuable than many sparrows. And so we give thanks to God, not only for the blessings that are obvious, we thank God for the fleas. We thank him for the challenges and difficulties that we are walking through because we are confident that he's working in them and through them. We're confident of it. Not because we feel some, some magic juju in our bellies or something. Not, not because we have a burning in our bosom. Because his word says so. Because his word says he is the God who works all things according to the counsel of his will. How can God do that? I don't know. You're like, I don't, I don't agree with that because I don't get it. Well, you know what? That just proves we're human <laughs> and we're not God and aren't on that level where we see everything as God sees it. We can give thanks because we are confident that in all things, God is conforming us to the image and likeness of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Paul says, give thanks always and for everything. But how do we give thanks? How do we give thanks? It's one thing to know when and for what we should give thanks, how do we do it? Well, our text starts off by saying, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it says, address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making mel." And, and then it goes vertical, right? That's horizontal. Address one another. And then it goes vertical and says, with thank, uh, uh, give, giving thanks always to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So be filled with the Spirit and give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this. I mean, you see the Father, you see the Son, and you see the Spirit all involved here. First, we're told to be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks always and for everything. The giving of thanks, apparently, is empowered by the Spirit. And think about, you know, like we want power from the Spirit to be good witnesses of Christ and the gifts of the Spirit to be able to, you know, be used by him to bring blessing to others. All of that's wonderful. We should, we should seek that. And in fact, that's part of this, addressing one another. But to be filled with the Spirit empowers us to give thanks to God always and for everything. This filling of the Spirit is a continuous thing. It's, uh, it's not just get filled with the Spirit one time and then you're good for the rest of your lives. In the original language, it literally is this continuous thing. It's be filled and keep being filled with the Spirit. Don't just say, well, I, I got the Spirit when I was born again. That's true, of course. But we're to be filled today. And tomorrow when we get up, we're to be filled. And throughout the day, we're to be filled. We're to live in the strength and help of the Spirit. Don't just say, well, I remember a time when I was really, you know, strengthened by the Spirit or, or experienced a strong filling of the Spirit. Praise God for that. 
but we're to be filled today. Today, even right now, be filled with the Spirit. Seek to be filled with the Spirit. Ask even right now the Father to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you may give thanks always and for everything. So first we're told to be filled with the Spirit. Then we're told that our thanksgiving is to be directed to the Father. Do you see that? Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. God is a judge. He's a creator. He's our sustainer. But he's also and maybe preeminently our Father. Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, which this was a big deal. When you pray, say, Our Father. We're to give thanks to God our Father. He's the Father who gives every good and precious gift. He gives us all the good that we need. He will, remember two weeks ago, He will withhold nothing from us. He didn't withhold His Son. How will He not also, with Christ, give us all things, all things with Christ? Every promise that the Bible makes, the Father will give us because Jesus Christ is his yes and amen. We may not receive every promise just when we think we should, but the promise is how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. The point is he most certainly will give us all things with Christ. If his eye is on the sparrow, and it is. Cindy sent a version of that song to our daughter Olivia. She just loved it. I love it too. If his eye is on the sparrow, then we can have confidence that he is watching us as well. Our father is. And so we can turn our good and we can turn to our good and wise and strong and gracious and loving father. And say thank you always and for everything. I mean, the, you know, well, I'm getting ahead of myself here. We ought to do this always and for everything. So we're filled with the Spirit. We address our thanksgiving to the Father, and we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a pattern in the Bible for prayer, and I, 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 I don't think we have to be so rigid. You know, we can pray to Jesus, we can pray to the Spirit, we ought to, but there is a pattern in the New Testament that we pray to the Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, and we pray in the Spirit. And I think that's what we see here. We're to be filled with the Spirit because he helps us to give thanks. We are to address our thanksgiving to the Father, and we do it in the name of Jesus. I heard somebody describe it this way, and I think it's similar with the thanksgiving. Prayer is like traveling to the Father on the path which is Christ in the vehicle or the car, which is the Spirit. And that's how we give thanks. We, we come to the Father. Don't think of Thanksgiving as sending a long-distance card to someone, right? Like a thank you card. I'm, thank you cards are good, but when we thank God, we, we are invited to come right before him, to come to him with our thanksgiving. And we are, to call, we are called to come in the strength of the Spirit and we are, to call, we are called to come in the name of Jesus or through 
Jesus Christ our Lord. And when we come through Christ, we, our Father welcomes us right into his presence, right into the Holy of Holies. Listen to Psalm 100, verses four and five. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So how do we give thanks? We give thanks strengthened by the Spirit. We should seek to be filled with the Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit, to live in this way. We address our thanksgiving to the Father. We come to our Father and say, you are so massively generous to us. Thank you so much. And we come in the name or through Jesus Christ. Why? Why is Thanksgiving so important? The end of verse 19 and the first part of verse 20 says this, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks. Why do we give thanks to God always and for everything? Because it's worship. Because it's worship, and that's what we've been made for. We've been made to worship God. In fact, it might be the highest form of worship. Right? It's, we're coming to God, and we are, we are exclaiming how good he is, and we are giving him thanks. It is high praise and worship. The Bible's songbook, which is the Psalms. I think there are 10 or 12 Psalms that begin with the call, oh, let us give thanks to the Lord. In fact, Psalm 107 is my favorite beginning, maybe of any Psalm. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But it starts with, oh, give thanks. You can hear that emotion. This is worship. It is high worship. The dozens of times in the Psalms where we are heard, I will give thanks or we will give thanks or we will bring our thanks to God. This is worship because we bring it to the Father through the Spirit or with the Spirit's help through Christ. I want to read Revelation 7. Verses 11 and 12. <coughs> I want you to listen to the kind of worship we will be engaging in forever. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
Now we think of these other things like blessing and glory and wit, right? These belong to God. Honor belongs to God. Power belongs to God. Might belongs to God forever. But then it says, and thanksgiving belongs to him forever. Creatures made in God's image, redeemed by the blood of Christ, living in the life of the Spirit forever and ever and ever and ever will give him thanks forever and ever and ever and ever. Which apparently means there, we will never lose things, lose track of things. We'll never run out of things. There we go. To thank God for. So we are to be a thankful people, incessantly giving thanks to God for the rich blessings he has poured out upon us in Christ. The obvious gifts that are, they're, they're gift wrapped for it, right? With a bow on it. And for the things that seem like it's something we'd rather not be facing. Because we understand that God is doing good in all of it for his children. And so we thank him. We thank him with the help of the Spirit. We thank our Father from whom all blessings flow. And we thank him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is worship, brothers and sisters. This is worship. This we are called to worship God in this way. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed out of trouble. Let's be this kind of people and be salt and light in this world and cultivate this kind of gratitude and thanksgiving to God and just find ourselves pushing back against the rage and the anger and the rancor and the ungratefulness and all of what's going on in our society right now we get it, right? There's things to be angry about, no doubt. But let's be people, people who are turning our attention to our Father, God our Father, and giving Him thanks for all that He's done, all that He promises to do. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for your word. The grass withers, the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on them. All flesh is grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever.